0: Welcome back Bears fans to another episode of the Chicago Ottawa. I'm your host Will DeWitt and I hope that you and yours are staying safe and have yourself a rock solid week. We're now officially in July as our countdown to camp gets us nearer and nearer to the start of practice. At least that is, of course, the hope. Here with me today, as you probably already know, is my co-host Nicholas Moriano. And Nick, I want to know, how's it going, man? Any special plans for the 4th of July weekend?
1: Um, so I think we're just going to have a couple of family members over just at my house, have a cookout, play some bags, things like that. Um, but nothing too big. Kind of want to keep it. We still want to obviously practice social distancing, but have, you know, have some family over, just have a good time on the fourth. What about you?
0: Oh, we were just talking about this. I don't know just yet. Our old co-host, Brandon Hazlett, he's having himself a reception for his wedding that took place all the way back to when the pandemic kind of started a Little bit on the fence right now, depending on the amount of people that are showing up. So, up in the air uh, are my plans. But uh, as you know, Nick, I had a pretty interesting week. I got myself another gig here on top of the podcast, and that's going to be coaching this season for a middle school here in Bloomington, Indiana. So, I'll be coaching, I don't know if it's seventh grade or eighth grade yet, but I'm excited to take this venture into coaching and see where that kind of leads to. And on top of that, Uh, For those listening, this won't really impact our content this year. Uh, We just may need to be more flexible in terms of our show schedule throughout the first five or six weeks of the season. But Nick and I, we've looked at it and shouldn't really have any impact on the actual content that we're going to provide you this year. So no need to worry. But Nick, I know that the guy who interviewed me reached out to you as a reference. Uh, Apparently, he didn't say anything too off the wall about me.
1: No, nothing, nothing that would hurt your chances of getting the coaching job. No, I just told basically, I think his name was Greg. Yes. Um, basically how you're able to construct this entire show through basically, obviously it's all online, right? Virtual. I can imagine you doing such a great job with kids in person. So I, I talked you up, Will. I I see why you got the job, but I'm, I'm excited for you. I've always <laughs> thought about trying to get into coaching somewhere just because we love this game. That's why we do this podcast. That's why we we're doing, you know, doing what we do, but it's it's exciting. It's new, and I can't wait to hear all about it. And I also believe it's going to help this show, because
0: I'm already downloading books on Kindle about all these different offensive schemes, learning like which one we want to uh, introduce here at the middle school level. And obviously, uh, us, Nick, we've been watching a middle school quarterback for the last three seasons. I'm kidding. I just wanted. To, I had that written in my notes. I just wanted to say it. I'm kidding. But just watching the Bears and trying to maybe incorporate a little Matt Nagy into this, um, and also learning more about the nuances of the game and all of the positions. I think I know enough, obviously I got the job, but this will really help me and motivate me do more of my homework. And I think that's really going to help this podcast too, when it's all said and done. So very excited uh, for this next chapter. I see uh cliff and also bacon football in the chat congratulating me on it. So I want to say thank you to both of you really appreciate your support here too, in the chat, but Nick, we have a lot to get to in this episode. It's an in-depth preview of the Chicago Bears defensive line as we kind of wrap up this side of the ball. And we're going to shift our focus starting next week to the Bears offense. And also, we have some interesting news that we want to share during the shout-out section of the episode that I promise you don't want to miss. At least I hope you don't want to miss. I'm excited about it. But Nick, are you ready to kind of put our hands in the dirt and get this show started? Absolutely. I like the segue there. Awesome. Let's go ahead and begin this positional preview with the cream of the crop and that's Akeem Hicks. As we all know all too well, Hicks' season was cut short as he suffered that elbow injury against the Raiders early in the year. Didn't stop Hicks from toughing it out though. He did return to his injury against Green Bay 10 weeks later. It didn't take him long to re-aggravate that injury, but he proved that he has a huge heart, and he's. A, this is why he's a leader on this defense with that gritty performance and the desire to play through injury and being out there suited up with his teammates, even though he was not even near 100%. Now, luckily, he's going to be able to jump into 2020 fresh and healthy, and we all know that what type of disruptful force a key mix can be. when. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill request to cover anyone He is healthy, but Nick's. Well, Nick Hicks is turning 31 this season, and he was having a slower start to his 2019 year than we anticipated before the injury. He only had one sack and about a handful of tackles. So my question for you to kind of kick off this whole positional preview is: Should we expect the same level of play that we saw from Akeem Hicks in 2016, 17, and 18? Uh, that's like seven or so sacks per season, double-digit uh, tackles for loss, and over 50 tackles per season, or should we perhaps slightly taper our
1: expectations? Uh, curious to your thoughts. It might be somewhere in the middle there, Will. But I just think of Akeem Hicks and how he kind of how he kind of operates. He only had, what, five games that he actually played in last season because of that elbow injury, that freak injury, really, when Cleo Mack hit him, and basically that was it, and then he plays a little bit in the Green Bay game. But you have to think, just with everything Akeem Hicks has just had to do to get to this point in his career, right? Persevere, just kind of playing uh, what Regina it playing there, and then getting to the Bears, Saints, and all that stuff. This 2020 season, I'm just looking for a very motivated player and hungry Akeem Hicks. It is going to be a. I was, as I was preparing for the show, I'm like, well, how does COVID 19 kind of impact like the conditioning and things like that? Like these big guys, they rely on these training camps to kind of get back into playing shape. And obviously they're doing their own things. But I still think that Akeem Hicks has a lot left in the tank. And just knowing that his 2019 season was cut short, I think he's just going to be extra motivated for 2020. Well, and I think just watching the tape, you still see a very productive player and maybe he didn't have the stats through the first couple of games, but he's still impacting this bears defense when he's taking on double teams. It's it's look, he's never going to get stats for that, but he's able to do it without letting those, those offensive linemen get to their linebackers. And maybe Roquan Smith, Danny Trevathan, obviously they're going to benefit from that. So, I'm not so concerned about whether how many sacks he gets or things like that, because there's so many little intangibles that defensive linemen do to where it benefits the entire defense. And maybe they just don't get the stat for it. But I'm not too concerned with the Keem Hicks. But like to answer your question, I think he's going to be somewhere in the middle there. Maybe not quite as good as that 2018 season. And obviously he's going to have a way better 2019 season because we expect him to be healthy for it. A 2020 season. Sorry, 2020. I know you want to forget this
0: year's existing. I understand completely, <laughs> but we have to move forward here. Um, I know at times, Nick, I believe. Every Bears fan at one point or another took Akeem Hicks for granted, but he really is, as you mentioned, a phenomenal player. I love every season. I call him a two-way defender. He's someone that can not only be one of the better pass rushers at the position, which, of course, gets him all the glory, but he can also shut down the run as good as almost any other defensive lineman in the game. And I know last year, despite playing the limited time and through an injury, he still ended up as a top 15 run stopper. And Hicks does a tremendous job of anticipating what an offense is doing, how they're going to attack him, and really what the correct counter is. He plays with great strength, speed, and what really allows him to stand out is his ability to consistently win the leverage battle. He knows how to use his arms, his hands to shed blocks, and kind of keep that offense alignment off balance. And it's really an art to watch. It's a beauty to watch. And it's someone, I bet you, as time goes, uh, whenever a career – uh, his chapter here is done in Chicago for Hicks. Uh, it's going to be one that we look back on, and, and over time we're going to look at even more fondly than I think we do today. Um, and of course, all of this goes up another notch just due to the true passion for the game that Akeem Hicks plays with. He's a leader. It's more than just a job to him. He plays to win. He plays for his teammates. He fights tooth and nail and to help this defense, and it's evident that he's passionate. A lot of fun to watch. But is there anything more about Hicks' game that you want to mention this year, Nick? Uh, we've discussed him a lot in the past, of course. Fans should know what kind of player we're getting out of him. Um, but beyond is for just kind of prepping for this show and remembering what he can provide this team got me really excited, and uh, hopefully we're reminding folks of what we were missing last year.
1: Yeah, and I think one thing I saw someone in the chat say I want to hear about Bilal Nichols and we'll definitely get to him, but he's going he's already had a huge impact on what Bilal Nichols has been able to do, you know, so far through his two year career in Chicago and now going on to his third year, uh, his third year here. But I think that's also a huge benefit to Nakeem Hicks because he studies the game so much. And if you guys haven't for haven't somehow seen the NFL Game Pass film session where Nakeem Hicks is running it. Go ahead and watch that. I think it's still free up until the end of this month. But Akeem Hicks dives deep into all the little things that defensive linemen do. And you see a lot of those things that he talks about in Bilal Nichols' game. We'll definitely talk to him about later about him. But I think that's another benefit that Akeem Hicks brings to his team. One th-
0: final thing on Hicks, and I'm just curious to your thoughts because I was trying to figure it out myself. Obviously, this defense is stacked. We've talked about it for the better part of this last month. And we know Akeem Hicks is important, but where would you place him, like in the important scale on this defense, like out of the most important players that you do not want to be without? Where would he fit? I had a really tough time figuring that out throughout my, my couple of days here prepping for this show. So I am sure uh, with you getting this thrown at you right here on the spot during our live recording, you are gonna have all the answers.
1: Yeah, I am gonna have all the answers. I think it's it's got to be three or four. So you go. I am gonna obviously say Khalil Max the the most important. I'll give it to Robert Quinn as number two, but it's either between Akeem Hicks and maybe, oh man, it could be Eddie Jackson, it could be Kyle Fuller. Like that's that's how Don't forget
0: about important. the lack of depth and the inside linebacker too this year. That's what really makes it real difficult.
1: Yeah, but Akeem Hicks is up there. You take him out of the equation, now you can allow those offensive linemen to maybe apply double teams to either side with Quinn or Mack. So if you have Akeem Hicks there, you can't block all three of those guys. And that's just going to make the job so much easier for the rest of this Bears defense. But it, he's up there, Will. He definitely is. I mean, I almost would say top three
0: somewhere just because we saw the whole pass rush just get destroyed without him. I mean, it was gone from the edges, from the interior. They just were not getting to the quarterback nearly to the same degree that they were in 2018 um, as soon as Hicks went down. I mean, it just almost was like ceasefire. And that kind of had a ripple effect on the whole defense. Uh, But again, the other factors like lack of depth inside, uh, the secondary as well, not knowing how some of these pieces will fit, it gets, it's murky uh, how you want to kind of rank people. And that's why, you know, I don't usually do that in this show, but knowing Akeem Hicks and how important he is, it's interesting to kind of weigh some of those options and debate where he may end up falling there. Uh, Anything else on Akeem Hicks before we move on to our next player?
1: I'm just excited to watch him in 2020. He's going to, like I said, be hungry for this season. All right, hopefully there's a big plate ahead
0: in store from him that satisfies his hunger. But let's go ahead and slide inside to our A-gap defender, and that's nose tackle Eddie Goldman. Goldman, he's been a consistent piece right in the heart of this defense for the last three seasons. Uh, I know early on in his career, Nick, you and I in this podcast, we always said as long as he can stay healthy, and that was the bigger talking points in the offseason. But throughout his last 46 games... Goldman has only missed two. He's entering his third year of his four-year deal that he signed back in 2018. And last year, just looking at the stat sheet, it didn't look too great. Uh, Finished with his lowest mark since 2016 in tackles with 29. Sacks with only one, which was the lowest of his entire career, as well as his two tackles for a loss, which is another career low. Now, I'll preface this by, of course, stating that I understand that a nose tackle's job is not to stuff the stat sheet. Um, His main priority, of course, is to uh, fill those gaps, have those gap integrity, be and be a pretty strong run uh, defender. Even if he's not making the tackle, just force that ball carrier to move where he doesn't want to go into the arms, into the hands of the other defenders. Um, But, Nick, do you have any insight on what I'll maybe call some minor struggles for Eddie Goldman last year? Uh, To me, I believe a lot came after losing a key mix, who we just mentioned, uh, as teams are able to focus more on Goldman more than perhaps they have over the years past when they're focusing on some of these interior defenders for the Chicago Bears. So any insight here on these quote? I'm going to call them struggles, but that's maybe a slight overstatement.
1: Yeah, I think just when I was watching Eddie Goldman's film, I, what you were saying, well, he does a really good job of taking out double teams, filling in gaps, not letting those linemen... Get to the second level, the, the linebackers there. But at times I just saw him lose his balance. I mean, he is 6'4, 320, but sometimes when he's head up in a zero technique on the center and needs to shift over to maybe the right guard or left guard, you can see a little bit of sloppy footwork at times. It's not something that's consistent in his game, but I, I, I saw him on the ground a little bit too much for my liking. And obviously, when you're on the ground, you're not taking up, you're, you're taking up space, but it's a, it's a smaller space, right? Cause now you're on the ground, not <laughs> filling that gap. So I would like to see Eddie Goldman kind of fix that up a little bit, but they're also at times where, and I wrote here in my notes, he's just sneaky quick being that six three, six four, three three twenty, He could just move. I love it when he comes out of his stance. It doesn't even shoot his hands into the offensive lineman yet. He kind of fakes him out and does a, a fake, like a head fake to the left then swims over to the right and is able to get past offensive linemen. Like, this is a large human being just being able to move like that. But there are also times where, like I said, he's a little clumsy. But I think another thing that was, was, I don't know, surprising for me when I was watching Eddie Goldman just seeing this.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger we're here for you 24-7 with supplies and solutions for every industry and access to product specialists ready to help. Call, clickgranger.com
1: or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Stats here, he really isn't a third-down player. When I was watching how the Bears kind of utilized him and then Roy Robertson-Harris, they elected when, especially was third and longer situations, maybe even third and five at times, third and five and third and long, Eddie Goldman's not on the field. He's also the 12th highest paid defensive tackle in, in football right now. 10th is Akeem Hicks, 12th is Eddie Goldman. But the Bears felt more comfortable like to use Roy Robertson Harris on those third and obvious passing situations instead of an Eddie Goldman look maybe that is a good move because they like what Roy Robinson Harris may be able to do but you we've seen the consistency from Eddie Goldman and maybe he's not the best at getting to the quarterback but I just found that interesting to see that usually on third and longer situations Eddie Goldman's not in the field they'll put Roy Robinson Harris in there instead and just that's just what they like to do in those certain situations but I wonder if you have any thoughts on that, Will. Is that is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Would you rather see Eddie Goldman or Roy Robinson-Harris? Good
0: question. Uh, I was actually about to follow up on this because this is interesting to kind of think through. I think I would lean towards a Roy Robinson-Harris. He is better at getting after quarterbacks than... Uh, Eddie Goldman. I know Eddie, of course, as a run defender, one of the better ones in the league. And I think that's where he kind of earns his money, uh, because when he's out there, he's holding his ground. He's at anchor, uh, not allowing the offensive lineman to get vertical push, reach that second level. Um, but when it comes to actually third and long, and needed to pin your ears back and get after a quarterback. I mean, we've seen Eddie put together four or five sack seasons, um, but it's not like he's out there. Uh, as an all-world pass rusher. So to take him off, to put three of your best pass-rushing defensive linemen on the field as long and well, thinking of this season with Quinn and Mac, that gets me excited about the potential future here. But... Yeah, I would probably lean towards Roy Robinson-Harris, so good job Chuck Pagano is how I'm going to kind of say this right here. But when you're looking at Eddie Goldman, he's still young. I mean, he's been in the NFL for quite some time, but he's still only 26 years old. And obviously, he can be entering the cusp of what we can call his prime. Do you see, besides probably working on what I wrote down as play balance, any other areas where Goldman can take steps even more forward, or maybe evolve his game at all. I know they list him as a nose tackle. I think he's just going to be a nose tackle, a guy who's dominant against the run, who may have a couple of splash plays uh, via the pass rush from time to time, but I have a hard time thinking he can grow into a much larger role, because I know ever since Matt Nagy came here, his role has diminished a little bit compared to what it did under John Fox.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question there, Weil, because like when I was thinking of what what's next for Eddie Goldman, I don't know if it's really developing more pass rushing moves or anything like that. I think it's just consistently getting even better at what he does best and just let him that's that's who Eddie Goldman is. Like you said, it he's a run stuffing or run stopping gap filling nose tackle. And that's what he's good at as long as he stays consistent with that throughout his career, that's going to allow these linebackers to have a way easier job and allow guys like Robert Quinn and Cleo Mack to really get after the quarterback. And look, there are times where these offensive linemen, they do have to, you know, chip block him a little bit just because they know Eddie Goldman is a force too as well. So I don't know if it's about developing anything new, just getting better at what he's already good at. And if you have that and everything we just talked about it, that's exactly what you want from Eddie Goldman. Now, like I said, 12th highest paid defensive tackle. I wish I want to go see what those other guys kind of do in terms of money. But obviously number one's Aaron Donald, like that's, there's only one Aaron Donald and obviously Akeem Hicks is on this list as well, but he's good at what he does. And I don't know if it's about expanding his role to do even more because maybe that might hurt him. And what, like what we were talking about, what he does well. So, I'm fine with Eddie Goldman, and like you, I I agree with the third down situation. Put Roy Robinson-Harris out there, and we'll talk about him in a little bit.
0: He's he's, he's next, man, so don't worry. He's coming up right now. The only other thing I wanted to mention here when it comes to Eddie Goldman is whether he re-signs with Chicago on another deal or anything of that nature being a really good nose tackle who can stuff the run, you can have yourself a very long and fruitful NFL career. You're not going to ever you know, set huge records in terms of tackles per season or sacks per season, but you're going to be someone that teams covet and teams really hate the game plan against. So uh, he does bring a ton of value in his own right, providing some of those elements as well. All right, so Nick, so for the first time in what feels like my entire lifetime, we can mention Roy Robertson-Harris here in the month of July without having to talk about him being in a position battle with Jonathan Bullard. It feels great, doesn't it? Like, it was a whole new day.
1: Yeah, I was looking at, obviously, just preparing and looking at notes from last year. It's like, battle, you know, Jonathan Bullard for, like, the third time in a row or whatever it may be. But, yeah, this is Roy robertson Harris's role now, and there's really not... Maybe Bilal Nichols, but this is his role. There's no Jonathan Bullard attached to his name because every single year, like you just said, that has been the case.
0: And I'm glad. Like I said, it's a new day here on the Chicago Audible here talking about Rory Robertson-Harris and RRH. He's a player that he's worked his way up rather nicely. I know last year he set a personal best with a career high in tackles. Also played on over 50% of the defensive snaps uh, for the first time his entire career, which was up nearly 20% from 2018. Obviously, some of this or a lot of this was due to filling the void left by Akeem Hicks. I'm sure we're going to hear that be said a couple more times throughout this episode. Be prepared for that. But Nick, sometimes you can find some silver linings in what can seem like an overall negative situation. And I can't help but think that the extended playing time and the extended amount of looks that Roy Robson Harris uh, received last season due to Hicks's injury, can end up being one of those. But I'm curious to your thoughts. What do you think? Do you believe that Roy Robinson-Harris learned a lot last season and could perhaps become more impactful within a more, what I would call a typical role that we would envision out of him?
1: Yeah, I think so. We just saw a lot more opportunities for Roy Robinson-Harris to see what he can actually do. And consistently just watching his film, he's really, even though, what, he's 6'5", 292, a taller defensive end He was consistently getting lower than the opposing offensive lineman and just stacking the guy and able to shed them to find the ball carrier and just find the guy in the backfield. That was consistent with his game. I thought that would be an issue, just kind of seeing his size and just you know assuming, but not for Roy Robinson Harris. That wasn't really the case. The only thing though that I still, with even more opportunities, I kept asking myself, what is his move? What does Roy Robinson Harris like to do to get to the quarterback? And if he's not beating you off the line of scrimmage and using his length, which he, I mean, that's the big thing with Roy Robinson Harris, is his length to his advantage. I don't know what his second move or his counter move really is. And I still think, obviously, he's gone through a transition. You talked about the work he's had to do to get here. He's still probably trying to figure that out. But I think for Roy Robinson Harris, those opportunities, when Akeem Hicks went down, because he was playing that right defense or the left defensive end, That's exactly what you want to see from a guy that's been consistently battling to be in this position in the first place.
0: Exactly. I think we talked about that last year too, right? Because last year he was entering the second year after the position switch and wondering, is he going to become more natural at the position? Can he add supplemental pass rush moves to disengage from blockers and get after quarterbacks? And it sounds like after you were reviewing his 2020, you're still having a hard time seeing that which does lead to my next question. We're now three years away. Do you think that he has the potential for that light switch to kind of turn on and really play to a higher level and become more of a natural defensive end? Because I know he was a stand-up guy, but now being three years away, it needs to become second nature. I think we saw glimpses of it last year, but what's your confidence that it can become a consistent
1: part of his game overall? Well, just like I said, like the consistency was, he was able to get underneath these offensive linemen's pads and shed the blocks. So that's a great thing for a defensive defensive end. Um, The only thing is like, what is, like I said, that signature move. And I think if you, you got to assume just having Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, Akeem Hicks, these guys that can use a number of things, he's got to pick up on one of those at some point. And with the bears utilizing him more on third down situations, he's going to have to develop something because they're choosing to put him out there, you know, over other guys. He has to find something that works for him. But I, I do feel a lot more confident going into this season, 2020 than I ever have been with Roy Robertson Harris. I think we, I think we've always talked about him winning the job at some point mm-hmm. and it finally yes. has happened. Right. So I do feel confident they can develop over time, still develop to, to maybe find that move. But, um, it's, yeah like I said just watching tape it just wasn't there so we'll see what Trent 2020 does with limited training camp limited opportunities again but I think he has to do that because the Bears are kind of counting on them too they signed that um, free agent tender I think he's making 3.4 something million dollars this season 3.3 on a one-year deal so if he wants to stay in Chicago or if he wants to prove to another team he has to make the most out of 2020.
0: Yeah, because he's been going on these small one-year deals off and on now just to, you know, as an undrafted free agent. He proved it. He stuck around. And honestly, it's been a lot of fun watching him develop and watching his growth and what he's been turning into. But this could be a good year for him if he puts together a full, complete season uh, with some bigger numbers. He can earn himself. Unfortunately, he may not be here in Chicago, but he can earn himself a pretty decent payday coming here in 2021 Um, on top of that last season uh, you talked about, he doesn't have that signature move, that secondary pass rush move despite the fact he still led the team in total pressures created. And I know that's not with Hakeem Hicks there for the whole season. Uh, This is only for defensive linemen people. So not outside linebackers, not Khalil Mack. Um, But he did lead the the positional group in total quarterback pressures created. And I know Nichols was hurt as well, and he's up next on our list. Um, But that still gives me a sign of encouragement that if he is still a little raw, but he's still able to produce at that level, then if he can find some of those additional pieces of the puzzle that you're talking to, Nick, That can really be a sign of things to come if he can put it all together. Anything else on RR8 before we move on to the next
1: guy? You know, just one last thing. Um, When you look at Roy Robinson-Harris and how this last season kind of played out for him, in week one against the Packers, he had one sack, two tackles for loss. Weeks two through 17, he had one and a half sacks and then one tackle for loss. So it's about putting together a full season like you said it well putting together a full season to see what Roy Robinson Harris can do because he had a very good game to start off 2019 and then you get the injuries and now more is expected of him then it kind of trails off throughout the entire season so we I want to see 2020 if he consistently produces. he doesn't have obviously he's not gonna get sacks every game or you know pressures or anything like that but Just be a little bit more consistent, spread out those stats, and hopefully accumulate more than what he did in 2019.
0: And I think he's sneaky good against a run, too. Uh, I think that's an underrated part of his game, and I'm glad that it – sticks under the radar Uh, I know when we talk about him and most people do they talk about him getting after a passer but he's up there um, in terms of Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hicks uh, and the ability to make run stops um, without missing a lot of tackles so another underrated element of this game that maybe I shouldn't have said it out loud but that's okay Uh, moving on to our next player the last player we need to get to here in our very first tier of defensive linemen and I expect most of you already know who that is Richard already alluded to it a second ago, and that's 30-year pro, Bilal Nichols. And when you look at his 2019 season from an overhead view, uh, you'll see that his numbers were down from his rookie season. Uh, I didn't register a single sack, only registered one tackle for a loss. Obviously, he suffered that injury that forced him to miss some time, and he had to deal with that throughout the year as well, which is acceptable. It happened still, for a former fifth round pick who earned a starting job at the end of training camp last year, we need to see more out of the Nichols here in year three. So, Nick, what do you think is going to happen here? Will Nichols get over that sophomore slump that he kind of had to work through uh, and get back to what we saw more of his rookie year heading into uh, and get back in line to what we were anticipating his 2019 to look like?
1: I think so. I mean, even though he did have a down year in terms of, you know, all statistical categories and obviously having broke his right hand and wearing like a club slash brace on there, you still see the flashes that Bilal Nichols from year one. Um just his swim move, his his hand club swipe, um being able to identify what offensive linemen are doing and where the play's actually going. You still saw Bits and pieces of that. Even in the first game back from injury against the Saints, I was watching his hand. I'm like, okay, he's got, he's in a three point stance, that right hand's in the dirt. He's still making plays, just being able to stack and shed against offensive linemen. And, you know, just coming off an injury, I'm like, okay, this is probably not going to be the best game for Bilal Nichols, but he still showed you, he still has all that. And I alluded to it earlier. A lot of that, I think, comes from just learning and playing under a Hicks because he does all those things I just mentioned really, really well. And as long as you have all these veteran type guys around him, I think he's just gonna soak that up like a sponge. And I have I have a lot of confidence that Bilal Nichols can really be that player that we were anticipating for 2019. Hopefully no no injuries or anything like that to set him back, but he's got all the intangibles, he's got the speed, power, and then just the moves already at such a young, you know, such young age to where I am confident that Bilal Nichols can develop to be a good player for the Chicago Bears. He's, uh, look, I don't wouldn't say he's good yet, but it's still very small sample size. But he could definitely become that. I'm, I'm confident in that.
0: Yeah, obviously a hand injury, Nick. Those weigh more on defensive linemen um, in terms of how they have to approach it uh, each and every down, and I think that's a big reason why we saw the dip even in the games that he was healthy. Um, one area that really didn't go down, though, was his tackling. He rarely missed tackles, and he improved the overall of his tackling. corps when you don't have to rely on your hands to grab at guys, you have to lean more on those fundamentals, which is probably a good thing and why we're able to see that. Um but, Nick, I'm curious to see your thoughts on how much that hand hindered his pass rush. Because remember his rookie year, top 30 in the NFL with uh, productivity and consistency getting after the passer of all defensive linemen. Last year, he went from top 30, I think it's like 27th, all the way down to 122nd of all defensive linemen. Only four pressures out of 202 pass rush snaps compared to the 17 pressures he had as a rookie on only 186 pass rushes. Is that all in the hand, or are you going to put a lot of blame towards the hand? If you want to use the easy answer and blame the injury, I'm not going to stop you on this one.
1: You know what? I I don't even think it was really much of, honestly, it's Bilal Nichols' hand. I think Akeem Hicks isn't there. There's a lot more, there's a lot less pressure on a Bilal Nichols when Akeem Hicks is, you know, playing the D end and he's on the opposite side. It's like, okay, we'll let, we'll see what this, in 2018, we'll see what the rookie can do if he could beat a guy one-on-one, great. But I think just the presence of Akeem Hicks was huge. Not having him on the field was huge for the Bears. It impacted all levels. So yes, he was still not maybe capable of doing everything he could have done with a uh, you know a healthy, you know, right hand, but I think Akeem Hicks was a bigger, bigger impact here. The offensive linemen can now focus on, you know, these players a little bit more. And when you don't have them there, it's it's going to impact everybody. So I, I'm not even gonna blame it on the hand so much. I'll blame it. I'm gonna blame Akeem Hicks. You got injured and this impact of the defense, <laughs> but but you know, a healthy defense, I think you see a Valal Nichols take those steps that we were all anticipating for twenty nineteen.
0: I, I like it. I like it a lot. I think it was just a perfect storm for Nichols to have regression when really it was the last thing that we expected coming out of him. And obviously he had to be put together a very good training camp last year, ended the preseason, or got through most of the preseason, ended up being named the starter. So Nick, for 2020, do you think he entered training camp preseason as, quote, that opposite starter from Akeem Higgs? Or do you think they opened things up and allow Roy Robson Harris to have another competition under his belt. Obviously, he's prone to having those. Uh, on top of that, uh, do you think it's even important here? Who is the starter and who's not? I think their snap counts are going to be more or less
1: the same. It's just a matter of who gets the
0: starting designation.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think when it is more of a running situation and you're going to maybe want the three def- defensive linemen Hicks, Goldman, and Nichols, but when it's more of the pass, you know, pass. Passing situation, third and long, you'll see Roy Robinson-Harris be the guy or you take out one of your defense linemen and go nickel. So it's going to be interesting how those snaps kind of play out. Obviously, Roy Robinson-Harris had more snaps than Eddie Goldman and Bilal Nichols were all messed up because of the injury. It's going to be, like you said, it's going to be close for this upcoming season.
0: All right. So with that, we're going to wrap up the very first year of defensive linemen, which means we have two more to go. But before we get to those, Nick, it's time to do some shout outs. And before we get to some of these donation shout outs, which am not going to say they're not nearly as important because they are so important to both you and I, and we are so appreciative for them. But we had some news, and I talked about this on the top of the show, that kind of came our way. And I got an email from a listener. His name is Al, and he breeds horses. And Oddly enough, he has a racehorse. It's going to be sold here in uh, October with the goals of it racing in 2021, 2022. And Nick, this horse's name is named after our show. It's Chicago Audible. We have a listener of our show who breeds racehorses, who named one of his horses after us. I don't know about you, but just thinking about the, again, horse racing is something that's usually the least in my mind, but just thinking about the general future here, we could be end up watching a horse named after our podcast here on the big screen one day in the next couple of years. Anything you want to mention about this? Because this is still very surreal to me. I never thought it would happen. So, one, like, one of the coolest things that ever happened in my life because it's the last thing that I ever thought would happen. Like, I never thought it was even a possibility that there'd be someone who listens to our show who would name a horse after us, let alone a racing horse.
1: Yeah, I know. When you told me, well, you first told me I have to call you. I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, is this good news, bad news? And I was (laughs) at the gym playing basketball, and I call you, and you tell me this. I'm like, no way. That is the coolest thing. You sent me all the links. I showed my mom, my dad, told my girlfriend about it. Like, there is a horse in Indiana, correct?
0: I think actually I think it's uh I was gonna say dock, but that's a boat see how much I don't know about horse breeding stabled yes stabled in Lexington Lexington Kentucky I believe it was conceived or inside of Indiana (laughs) so it's gonna be sold in Indiana I don't know the intricate details here in terms of how all this works but I know he's up for sale here in October and I believe uh the figures are insane in horse breeding looking at like his grandparents on each side and I'm not asking for royalties or anything, but it's still really damn <laughs> awesome, Nick.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, to think that maybe a couple years down the road, if I, I will be watching more horse races just in case now because <laughs> of this news. If we see a horse Chicago Audible out there, I, I mean, of course, we're going to be like, we'll have to jump on a phone call or something like, let's go. And just being really excited about this. But it was so cool that that happened that we have listeners and that they wanted to name a horse after this podcast it's it's really cool
0: now thumbs up on the video if you're watching or just let us know should Nick and I find a way to meet this horse because i feel like we have to <laughs> i feel like we have to meet this horse somehow and like chronicle its career and just keep tabs on it so like every summer we give an update on you know a little chicago audible i thought about i know nick you don't watch parks and rec but i almost made like a spoof of uh, Bye Bye Little Sebastian, but like Hi Hi Chicago Audible It's a song on the show about a little horse here in Indiana. So I thought it may have fit, but uh, I didn't want to use the pipes here on the show.
1: Oh, man, I wish you did. But uh, I, I like that idea. <laughs> I we have to meet the horse. <laughs> we have to meet the horse at some point. I mean, it's it's got to happen.
0: Yeah, it's, it's it's fate but to uh obviously this is still something that's so surreal but al uh for nick and myself uh thank you uh so much for obviously being such a big fan of our show to not only uh put our namesake on one of your racing horses uh but to let us know and again i thought it was spam at first but then i did some research like nope this is legit and pause everything but i believe al was like a Breeder of the Year before uh, a couple of times. So I think we're in some pretty good hands here, Nick. But we have some other shout-outs to get to. And obviously, they are uh, equally as important. But someone name a pet after us or something. Because <laughs> we got to keep this train rolling. Uh, Nick, I'll start off with mine. And then I'll hand it over to you. Uh So for uh, Stefan uh, Johansson, uh, he sent some money in over from Copenhagen, Denmark. And he also mentioned that he is the president of the Danish branch of the Bears fan club. And that are a lot of other Danish fans that he knows of that love our show. So to Stefan and all of the fans over in Denmark, thank you so much for your donation, uh, listening to our show all the way uh, over there and finding it to be of value to you. I'm glad that we can make you feel closer to your Chicago bears. That really is Nick's and I number one goal. And I'm glad that's coming through for you. So thank you so much. And then I have Christopher Woodley. Uh, he sent in uh, his $5 donation. No location for Christopher. So wherever you are in the world, uh, whether it's behind my house or in your house or somewhere, wherever that may be, thanks so much for your support over this week. And then Lance, I know you sent in $10, Lance, so thank you very much for that uh, doubling down. You still get the one shout-out, unfortunately, for you, but hopefully it's well worth it. But Lance, uh, thank you very much. Nick and I really do appreciate Uh, the time that you took to leave us a donation. And I know you meant some, uh, put some really nice words in there too. So really appreciate that, Lance. But Nick, I know you have some over on your end that came through this week.
1: Yeah, so we got a donation from Joey Plotkin. Again, donated $10 to the Chicago Audible podcast. Thank you so much, Joey. Like Will was saying, we really do appreciate everybody that takes the time out of their day just to, you know, Again, give us a donation. You get the shout out, obviously. But Joey, thank you so much. And we have Zach, who actually lived in Packers country throughout uh, college, but luckily he's now in Chicago. Zach, thank you so much for the donation, that $10 donation. It means a lot to us. And again, just showing gratitude and support for the podcast. It means a lot. And last, we we have a message from our friend Mason West, who's a physical therapist at Team Rehabilitation in Barrington, Illinois, and wanted me to inform our listeners about his location. Team Rehabilitation in Barrington, Illinois is a physical therapy office that emphasizes hands on therapy while maximizing performance by increasing strength and muscle activation. Whether your goal is to play pickup basketball in the park or compete for a starting job on your college team, Team Rehab can help you reach your goals. They see everything post surgical, nagging pain, injury prevention, performance enhancement, and all ages, such as 10-year-old gymnast to a 6-year-old runner. Mason West is a former collegiate wrestler and a lacrosse player who combines his passion for sport and rehab into one package. You can contact Mason at 224-512-7200 or find him on Instagram at pt to begin your journey to be the best athlete you can be. And of course, if you want to get a shout out on the next Chicago Audible podcast, here's how you can make that happen either through Venmo or PayPal. You I want we want you to give us your name and where you're from. I'll give you a shout out. On Venmo, you can look up the username the Chicago Audible, you should see my name, Nicholas Moriano and the Chicago Audible logo, and then on PayPal, you can make the donation to chicagoaudible.com/paypal.
0: You have to maybe try to change the wording a little bit. Every week, we're like, we want you to give us, and I'm like, don't say your money, Nick. Like, we are appreciating these donations, <laughs> but don't say your money. Then you don't. Then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. But I feel like that Michael's got, like, grimace gif. You know, like, like every time. I say name, though.
1: Yeah, but you, you say your uh, name.
0: We- Yeah, but you always pause. Like, we want you to give us, and then you pause. And then in that pause, my mind goes to the worst-case scenario.
1: But I say the right thing. That's all that counts. (laughs) You do.
0: Uh, Obviously, for those donating, uh, we say this every week, but it does help offset some of these out-of-pocket costs. Hosting our website, uh, hosting the software that we use to stream this thing live here on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Uh, Twitch. I think we still have negative one listeners over on Twitch. Nick, just a heads up there. The audience is really growing, but... Uh, <laughs> obviously the most important part is the shout out. And then secondarily, you can help us offset some of these personal costs. And I know that, uh, Lee Davies, he was here in the YouTube chat and we've mentioned him in the last couple of weeks. And he's like, Hey, i sent something over a couple of times. And Lee, I hope you heard your shout out, uh, those, but just in case another shout out for you, because we do appreciate uh, your tremendous support that you've shown us over the last month. But all right, Nick, you ready to get back to defensive linemen because I'm itching to talk about some second tier guys. Let's do it. All right. So I, obviously, as we reach the second tier, there are three players that are vying to be the key reserve guys on this team. Uh, the Bears are hoping that one of these guys can fill the void left by a Nick Williams, uh, who did sign with Detroit this offseason. Nick Williams did lead the defensive lineman with the six sacks. So he, even though he was technically supposed to be a backup last year, he did step up in a big way. And I think all these players should sound familiar to you. Uh, We have Abdullah Anderson, 2018 undrafted free agent out of Bucknell. Found his way into a few games last year, about 100 snaps on defense, able to register a sack as well as four tackles. Then you have John Jenkins. Uh, He's gone around the league over his last four seasons, including a stop in Chicago back in 2017. Uh, in that season, he appeared on about 10% of defensive snaps and had about eight tackles. Last year, he played defensive end for the Dolphins, uh, had his largest role on a team since I think he was a Saint in 2015, finished the year with 34 tackles, two for a loss, and one sack. And a fun fact, Don Jenkins, Akeem Hicks, of course, they shared three years together in New Orleans, as well as that one year in Chicago. So there is a lot of familiarity between Jenkins and Uh, Of course, Akeem Hicks. And then you have Brent Urban, signed by the Bears in Week 5, appeared off and on, finished the year with 16 tackles. He did have some small flashes. I remember giving him some nice props at the end of the season because he played admirably down the stretch for someone who came in off the street. Um, He was cut by the Titans, but off the street, coming into Chicago uh, early on in the season. So, Nick, out of these three players, two of them probably have a very strong shot at making this team. Now, don't tip your head completely. We'll get to roster predictions soon, but who do you tend to like more out of this group? And I'll be honest, I think John Jenkins surprised me last year in Miami, uh, and if he can provide that type of play, but in a reserved
1: role, that may
0: just be your Nick Williams replacement.
1: Yeah, so that obviously if the Bears want to go that route with experience, John Jenkins has plenty of it, Having going into his eighth year, having played already on the Bears, so knowing Akeem Hicks right so that definitely could be an option for the Bears but I think Abdullah Anderson's an interesting one as well obviously having two years of experience this being his second year just kind of watching a little bit of his tape he was playing in the one technique uh, just on the left guard then you moved him out to a three technique on the opposite side he was just kind of a little bit all over the place and he made a couple of splash plays in that Saints game that we all kind of want to forget but he did get a sack on Teddy Bridgewater, had a huge hit on the running back at the time. So I think that would be also another interesting, you know, player for the Bears to really think about. Then you have Brent Urban, who also has a lot of experience, and they did a pretty good job at containing the edge when he was out there playing. So I think all three of these guys have something different they bring to the table. And just depending on what the Bears really want, uh, that position to be that, what that that third line of the rotation there at the defensive line position it's just what do they actually want do they want someone that is more prone to just kind of contain the edge doing their job or maybe there is some upside with Abdul Anderson not saying that he the next big thing or anything like that but I saw flashes there from him but it's an interesting group for this this second tier of guys
0: is there anything else you want to mention about them obviously like I said, I think two of them are going to make this team. I'm not really going to tip my hand to exactly the other one just yet, but it's one of those where I think we know what we're going to get out of them. Uh, they could end up surprising us a little bit, but best-case scenario is these guys see the field minimally in a reserve role just to give some of these other guys we talked about in that first here a breather from time to time.
1: Yeah, so whichever guys that the Bears actually keep from this group, whether it's one or two, I, the Where they need to have value is when the Bears defense does have a long drive. Let's say they give up a score. They're just on the field for a long time. And then the offense, you know, God forbid, goes three and out like they did all of last season. You want that second group to be able to at least for the at minimal do their job, contain the edge. Don't allow these guys to get to the linebackers, whatever it may be, because that's where I think they might find their most value. And playing time is when there's a quick transition from having a long defensive drive, a quick offensive three and out, and then being back on defense again, this is where the backups primarily will come in and try to give the starters a breather. So whichever ones they do keep, that's where they just need to maximize their opportunities. And, you know, it's going to happen at some point. As good as this Bears defense is, and we all know how good it can be in 2020, they're going to have drives. They're going to have maybe games where, there's, where they're just not able to get off the field as quickly as you would like. But that's where these, these backup guys will find their most value.
0: Absolutely agree, Nick. Moving on to the finals here, just two more players that we need to talk about the defensive line entering training camp. First, you have Lee Autry. He's an undrafted free agent out of Mississippi State. Uh, That's where he had six starts, was a starter last year, but missed eight games to violating the team rules. He was part of a larger group of players than the team that ended up being suspended due to that. Don't get any details out from the collegiate level, but looking at his actual career, modest production in college with 23 tackles, two and a half for a loss, and a half a sack. Uh, He does have a brother in the NFL, Danico. He's been in the league since 2014. He played with Khalil back in Oakland Decent production for his brother has 23 sacks and about 170 tackles throughout his career. And then you have Travon McSwain. He's an undrafted free agent out of Duke. Played in 12 games a senior year where he snagged 35 tackles, seven for loss to go with four sacks. No player from Duke was drafted. But McSwain was the first one to sign with any NFL team as an undrafted free agent. DraftWire called him a gem prospect that flew under the radar before the draft, and some places had as high as a fifth-round grade on McSwain. So, Nick, based off of my research this week, I'm really pulling for McSwain to snag a spot on this practice squad. He plays with really strong technique. He's tall and lengthy. He's 6'6", 285. And I believe he can really develop into a contributor down the road for the Bears. But how about you? Anything about these two guys that you wanted to bring to our attention?
1: Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting. The guys that you mentioned, with probably what this ro- what rosters are going to look like, because I think mix or um, yeah, Mixways a, a guy that I think is intriguing. But it, with how rosters are shaping up right now, I don't know if you saw Adam Schefter's tweet earlier today. Will um, it oh, looks like yep. they're not even going? Yeah, they're not even going to take. Um, it's going to bring fewer than regular 90 players and ordinarily bring to training camp per league sources one source predicting 80 uh, players per team another 75 so if that's how this is shaping up for this season a lot of you even tier 2 tier 3 guys that we just talked about there's a there's a chance that they're not even on the team anymore possibly mm. just because of how everything is shaping up so yeah i mean look we could still be hopeful for these guys for sure but i think it's just going to look a lot different this year as opposed to obviously years past with the roster size and even the potential to develop players. Look, if this were to have happened when Roy Robinson Harris got to the Bears, maybe the Bears don't have Roy Robinson Harris. You can't bring in a lot of these restricted free agents or a Bryce Callahan from years past because now the, the rosters are getting smaller. So it's, it's just something to think about as we're kind of naming some of these lower end guys. What's their situation going to be in a month or two from now?
0: That's tough. I didn't see that one. When you mentioned a tweet, uh, I've been busy all day, but I thought you were going to talk about the two-game preseason. uh, That's That's the other big news, but I didn't hear about them capping and cutting down uh, the amount of people who are entering camp. So that's that's news to me right here on the fly, and that's tough. Like you said, that's going to impact these guys' lives and their chances of making NFL rosters. And You have to make some really tough decisions really fast if you're any ball club, but specifically here for this show, the bears on which one of these undrafted free agents do you bring or guys that you signed on those one year prove it deals. Like, are they someone that you're that confident in as well? So I know 10 may not seem like a lot, but that's a lot to cut from the very bottom to take away from the third string reps and cutting down the two preseason games too. You want to get your starters warmed up. Ready and how do you balance that with actually evaluating your depth and making appropriate, you know, personnel decisions that are going to impact your team for the foreseeable future? I mean, you can, like you said, you can end up cutting a Roy Robertson Harris while even giving him a chance, and you can go somewhere else and really catch on and kick yourself in the ass for it. But you don't have a lot of options at this point.
1: Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting because even like we'll probably talk about with two two fewer preseason games. I'll, I'll mention here like the quarterback position like competition that's yeah. going to obviously be impacted so a lot of a lot of things are still in the works and obviously training camp's supposed to start in you know oh, two weeks or whatever it's supposed to be um we'll see how that all shapes out three <laughs> don't say two we have a lot of podcasts to squeeze into two weeks if
0: that's the case we <laughs> have a whole offense to talk about but All right, uh, time for our roster projection before we get into some over-unders, true and false, and bold predictions. So who do you think is going to make this team? I don't think it's going to be that tough of a decision or that tough a projection compared to maybe some of the other positions we've done so far. This one felt, to me, pretty cut and dry, but there are a couple ways you can fill in the back end of this this roster, and of course, it depends on how many you're keeping. So what's your defensive line roster projection?
1: So I have... Five making it and I, I think that's going to be one lesson you have will just predicting here but I obviously have Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, Roy Robertson-Harris, Bilal Nichols and I have a dual, Abdullah Anderson rounding out as that fifth defensive lineman to complete this Bears roster I just see that the Bears play so much nickel and I think that's what's going to be the case with Robert Quinn being here that maybe just don't even need as many defensive linemen obviously they had injuries last season but I think if They've had five, what, in 2018 they had five. Last season they had six. I think they go back down to five, and Abdullah Anderson makes his way onto this roster. Okay, I like
0: that one a lot. I have six, and again, I know at the end of these training camp previews we're going to really have to see what we did (laughs) and find out who we need to cut, but I'm taking the six. I'm keeping your five, and I'm going to add John Jenkins. Uh, Again, he had some decent production for Miami last year, and I think if he can just be that good backup who you know, can go out there and provide that depth without having a, it's going to be a drop-off, a huge drop-off or a substantial drop-off in play, then that's really going to help this team. And I think Anderson provides that as well. And that's so why I have him making it too. And I already put down McSwain on the practice squad. Really, really intrigued watching his film from his time in Duke, what he brings to the table. And I really do think he is, a. am not going to say a diamond in the rough yet, because that's a little zealous, um, but has the potential to be, Something more like one of those other undrafted free agents, maybe the next Roy Robertson Harris, maybe a little bit more, uh, but I really like what he brings to the table. All right, Nick, to begin our over under, I have one for Akeem Hicks. I'm setting the over under at seven and a half sacks for Akeem Hicks. I only had the one last year. Uh, 7.5 is the exact number he had in 2018. So over or
1: under that 2018 mark? I'm going to go over. I had him at eight sacks. He's definitely capable of it. And if he remains healthy, Akeem Hicks has everything, like I said, left in the tank to become still a great player in this league. He's he's always underappreciated. And I think Akeem Hicks will have a big year if he just remains healthy. And for, other than that freak injury, well, he has.
0: You're right. You're right. Very much so. For me, I'm going to go under at seven. Uh, which is still a very strong year, so please don't shoot the messenger here. But uh, again, he is turning 31. I do believe, Nick, you talked about it. He's going to be hungry, passionate, and I think it will come out, but seven still a really high number for him too. So I'm excited for that one. All right, over under 120 total tackles between Nichols, Goldman, and Hicks. Those three in 2018 when healthy had 123. So over under 120.
1: Ooh, that's a that's a good one. I'm going to go under 123 and say it's about 118, somewhere around there. Not to say that they're not doing their job or anything like that, but these linebackers are the ones that are supposed to be making a lot of these tackles, and I think they will be in 2020.
0: All right, I have an over. I'm going at a whopping 125 over the 123, Ooh. so I uh, can't wait to be right on that one. How about over under 3 force fumbles from the defensive line? They had zero last year as a unit. They had five as a unit in 2018. So I'm setting it at a modest three. Are you going to take the over or are you can take the under?
1: I'm going to take the over. I will go with four. Four force fumbles by one for, for each of the guys, basically. So Keem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, Bilal Nichols, and Roy Robertson-Harris. We'll each get one.
0: I'm sure he's listening to the show and got pissed I kept him out of the over-under for the total tackles, but... That's, that's okay. <laughs> I just realized that when you said his name. Uh, so for me, I'm going to go over, and I have four in my notes, so I'm going to stick with it. So I'm taking 4-2, Nick. Uh, over under 45% of the defensive snaps for Bilal Nichols. He had 41% last year, which, of course, he was injured. So I think this should be an easy one. But with Roy Robertson-Harris getting a decent-sized roll, too, it, it's an interesting one to think through.
1: Yeah, and he played a lot in Akeem Hicks's position, too, when obviously he was out. So I think he'll be a little bit lower than 45, and he'll grow into that role. He really will. So maybe around 42, 40 to 42. So you're still getting enough of Bilal Nichols, but you're, obviously fans are going to be wanting to see more from him. But you have a lot of capable guys on that defensive line. And you keep everyone fresh when you keep their snap counts
0: a little lower. So I get that. Unfortunately, I'm taking the over, though, at 47%. Uh, so I understand it, but uh, you really got me earlier in the show talking about the Nichols and what you're still seeing out of him despite the injuries he played through with that hand last year. So if he plays at a level that you sounded like we should perhaps expect or he we couldn't see out of him, it'd be hard to take him off the field. So I'm going to give him a 47%. And the final over-under... I have three sacks for Roy Robertson Harris. Two point five last year, and three is his current career high. I'm taking the over at four, just to kind of set the bar. Now, how about you?
1: Uh, I'm gonna say under. I'll say he gets two and a half again. Um, oh, well, not that it's it's bad that he got you know that one sack in the first game or a half sack in the first game, and then it took him, what, 15, 16 other games to get the other one. Um, but I there's a lot of capable guys, and he will be, unless he develops that third down like pass rush move, Roy Robinson-Harris is not going to get to the quarterback. He may be the one who's going to get a lot of opportunities at it, but if he doesn't develop that, if we don't see it, I just don't see it happening. But hopefully I'm completely wrong on that, and he gets four like you said.
0: Uh, right? Uh, It can't go wrong there. Oh, I can go wrong, but you want to always hope for the mower. Uh, True or false, Roy Robson Harris will end up playing more snaps than Bilal Nichols.
1: Oh man, these snap ones are tough. Um, You I think on early downs, you kind of want, you want to see Bilal Nichols a little bit more. And I hope this doesn't contradict what I just said about Bilal Nichols, not having as much snaps and hopefully it equals out, but Bilal Nichols will have slightly more snaps than Roy Robertson-Harriswell. Okay.
0: I think these can be independent of one another. That way we can chop them up in a year and see where it all kind of fell through. By the way, I love seeing everyone in the chat play along every week. We have to think of more in-season games like this so people in the chat can can participate because it is really, really cool. Uh, But Nick, do you have a bold prediction for the defensive line? I say this knowing you don't because you were complaining about it right before we went live. So what's going to be your made-up bold prediction?
1: No, actually, I do. We were talking about it when I said that the uh, the starting defensive line plus whoever's not the starter will each have a forced fumble. That is going to be my bold prediction. All of them will get a forced fumble, which hasn't it, it didn't happen in 2018, didn't happen in 2019. Um, all the, the, it's going to be Roy Robertson-Harris, Bilal Nichols, Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman will all have a forced fumble. And here was the one I was thinking of, Will. I didn't want to even say it. But I was looking at the defensive uh, just a snap counts from last year we didn't see a lot of defensive players playing offense like we did in Matt Nagy's first season. I think Roy Robinson Harris is a guy that you may see on offense from time to time in 2020, but I think he'll catch a touchdown. That's going to be a bold out there crazy prediction. Obviously we know Keem Hicks scored with the uh, the Fridge 2.0 against the Giants in 2018, but I think we can maybe see some weird package again or Matt Nagy will get back to those weird ways of putting defensive players on offense and Roy Robinson-Harris will be the recipient uh, of a touchdown pass. I don't know who's playing quarterback, but he'll catch one. Bold, crazy prediction right there.
0: Hey, I like it. And with offense... Does a robot know you like a neighbor? Insurance Corporation will fulfill request to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere with most standard algorithm Kicking off next week for countdown to camp, it makes sense to use something like that as a nice little segue. Uh, So for me, my bold prediction, um, as you know, I took the under for Akeem Hicks at seven sacks. So it's a bold prediction for me to say that he's going to come out like a bat out of hell, put together a new career high in sacks because he's just pissed off and he wants to play football. I have him having nine sacks on the year for my bold prediction. His current career high is 8.5. So that would take care of that right there. And I have a new one. Uh, actually, it's an old one, but it's a new one. I'm going reintroduce it this year. Who's going to be your X factor for the defensive line? I think we know it's Hicks. Uh, that's what we said last year. It's Akeem Hicks uh, and his ability to be out there and be the leader. And it came out to fruition uh, because we severely missed him uh, for this position. Is there anyone else that you can see as, quote, the X factor? Because it's hard for me to say anyone other than Hicks just due to the fact that I'm pretty sure we mentioned him for every player on this whole entire show, mentioned that, well, his absence impacted this player. So I think that just is, uh, you know, the line is in the sand. Like, we know who it is at this point.
1: Yeah, and it should be Akeem Hicks because we talked about his impact, like you said, throughout every single player, Akeem Hicks is somehow in the equation or mention. But just to maybe... You know, go the other way here. Like Roy Robinson Harris can be an X Factor here. Like like I was saying on those third downs, if he's able to get after the quarterback, that's just another guy that offensive linemen have to or offenses have to think about. You know, God bless to you and trying to block everybody that's on this defense. But if yeah, if Roy Robinson Harris can be a force, someone that it can just help out Robert Quinn, even if it's on like a simple stunt or something, where he has to take out his guy to free somebody up that's that's valuable in itself as well but yeah it it really is just a keem hicks and because he impacts every level of defense and makes all those defensive linemen better
0: i saw uh, our moderator tristan was here and he had a bold prediction of uh interception from a defensive lineman i was hoping he would have taken a step further from like a keith trailer type of touchdown like maybe (laughs) maybe eddie goldman gets an interception and has to run all the way down the field gets that score and uh Ends up having to sit with the oxygen there for the next 10 to 15 minutes, to try to catch up after the fact. That would be fun to see another one of those big guy kind of touchdowns here in Chicago. And I think we have a group of big guys that can definitely reach pay dirt if they get the football in their hands. But, Nick, one final thing we need to do is we need to hand out our confidence meter. And I know weeks ago we thought we would give out a 10 to one of these positions on defense that has not happened yet. Is it going to happen?
1: No. It's not gonna okay. happen here at the, the defensive line. I think I, what I give the the outside line was like a nine point eight, nine point nine. I like I was close. I felt really optimistic and you know, obviously confident in that group. But this one was this one was tricky to kind of gauge what my confidence is. Obviously, I'm very confident in Keem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, and then you know, Bilal Nichols and Rory Roberts put that tandem together. I I feel good about them, still want to see more from them. So with with like a couple of players being in question that are supposed to be key contributors, I gave us an 8.4, 8.5. So I not that I'm not confident in this group. I just need to see a little bit more out of really the, the other two because I know what Eddie Goldman can do. And I know what Akeem Hicks can do when he's healthy. What will be the next step for Bilal Nichols? What will be the next step for Roy Robinson Harris? And then we we have depth pieces, of course, but I'm really factoring those four guys as the main contributors for his defensive line. So 8.4, 8.5 is where I want to land on his confidence meter. And if Akeem Hicks is healthy, I mean, that's that's almost good enough for me for with with this defense line. That's how impactful <laughs> he is. Absolutely. Well, I'll look
0: down all the way up here from my 9.35 on the confidence Ooh. meter. Uh- it really does depend on health, but you can't. We can say that about every position. Well, if they're healthy, we're confident. So we have to just assume health and knock on wood for the best here. And we've talked about it all episode long, just how great Akeem Hicks is and how he can elevate the play of everyone around him. And then when you just look at uh, Eddie Goldman, he's one of the best nose tackles in the league. Again, may not have the eye popping stats of other defensive linemen, but he does all the little things well. And he proves his value in other ways. Uh, Nichols, if he takes that jump, Nick, that you're talking about, that's great. I know that's not a, for certainty, but it's definitely something that it matters. Nick, your mic popped. If, if you wanted to know your mic, the popping thing again, I, I saw you in the chat. I'm like, Damn. what's Nick? What's Nick's picture doing up here? But someone jinxed it because you went the whole episode without it, and you've had like two in the last like eight minutes. So someone jinxed it. I forgot who it was, but someone mentioned that it was running pretty perfect, but. Now that I got distracted, 9.35. Uh, I'm really liking the depth. It proved itself last year. The only thing we're missing is Nick Williams, and I know he had some good numbers, but there were also games last year that he was MIA. Uh, he had a hot streak, and then he got cold. So I don't think it's a huge void that the Bears seem to fill, and I think they have the guys here to get it done. So for me, 9.35. This is a really, between them and the outside linebackers, it's the engine that makes this defense go. It all starts up front. As Brandon would say, you know, way back in our day, games are won and lost in the trenches, and I believe a lot of the Bears' wins coming up here will be due to this defensive line playing to the high degree uh, that we all expect that they can and they will do. So for me, 9.35, going to hold them up to a very high standard, but it's one that they deserved, and I think they've earned because even though last year everyone had a dip, still a top-10 defense, Nick, and it all started up front. Uh, They didn't have all that help. They had two other inside linebackers that were down It really does. This is a very strong, deep position, and they're going to be treated as such. High standard all the way around, 9.35. Any final thoughts, Mr. Moriano? Uh, Apparently my mic is a
1: meme now, or going to be a meme, uh, just because of all the pops it makes. And I guess if there's something that comes out of the popping, I'll take it. (laughs) <laughs> okay
0: i like it <laughs> we'll figure it out i don't know maybe you started talking louder at the end of the show because you got excited or you never know i felt great and i didn't want to mention it but someone said it in the chat so i'm gonna watch the replay of the show and i'm gonna find out who jinxed <laughs> it and you're gonna get a nasty shout out on the next episode <laughs> kidding kind of all right but that's gonna do it for this episode i want to thank everyone who watched the live recording of the show it's been a lot of fun with you guys here in the chat And, of course, our appreciation does extend to all of our podcast listeners around the globe, including, of course, the members of the Denmark Bears fan club. And if you can, please support our show by leaving a small $5 donation, and we'll give you a shout-out on the next show. You can donate on Venmo at the Chicago Audible, and you can also pitch in via PayPal, chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. And if you don't have the means to support our show financially, Really, don't sweat about it at all. Another great way you can support us simply is to spreading the word. Uh, we don't have any advertising dollars on like other bigger podcasts out there. And every time you tell a fellow Bears fan about our show, it really does have a tremendous impact. And heck, if you want to race, a, if you want to name a racehorse after us too, then we're not opposed to that. But that's taken, so someone needs to find a way to top it. And don't forget to get into our free Chicago Bears jersey giveaway. I checked right before we went live, we're only two away. Uh, from giving away a free Chicago Bears jersey. We're sitting at 598 reviews on Apple Podcasts, and all we need to do is reach 600. So if you haven't left a review of our show on Apple Podcasts, really now is that time. And if you don't think yours would help, again, I'm only we're only needing two here. And my goal, of course, is by the time Nick and I hit the airwaves next week, We have an announcement to make of who won this free Bears jersey. Again, it's a jersey of choice. You get to choose the player. You get to choose the color. You get to choose the size. It's not like one of my closet that I'm just going to find and give to you. It's one that you get to choose brand new straight from the Chicago Bears store. All right. So next week we'll be back to transition over to the offense, which, of course, these Countdown to Camps episodes are going to start to get really interesting on that side of the ball. A lot of confidence here on defense not expecting the same here starting next week. Uh, we'll be doing a double recording night next week, Nick. Offensive line and running back. So for those on YouTube, get ready for twice the fun. And for those on the podcast, we are going to split those up into some individual shows for you. That way you can stay nice, neat, and organized. But the next time that you'll hear from us will be on the Chicago Bears offensive line. How much trust should you have in Juan Castillo to get the offensive line back into form? Is newcomer Jermaine Effetti a lock to start at guard? What adjustments should we expect from this unit in 2020? And honestly, should we trust the depth up front? We'll hit on all that and much more next time. But until then, bear down, Chicago. (laughs)